Well, Woodland Church, we're concluding our series on habits this weekend by talking about the habit of good decision-making because decisions determine our destiny. We make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. Every little decision you make may have profound ramifications that can completely alter the course of your life. Have you ever been afraid to make a decision? Have you ever been so afraid to make a decision that you were paralyzed by indecision? Sometimes it's worse to not make a decision than it is to make a bad decision. Sometimes there are more consequences to not making a decision than there are to making the wrong decision. Well, the Bible teaches us that good decision-making is really an intentional habit that you have to develop. It's an intentional process that has to become ingrained as part of who you are. It's just the way you make decisions. Now, bad decision-making is also a habit. It's also a process that becomes ingrained in you. You just don't realize it. Uh, Some people look back and think, how did I make all those bad decisions? And they don't realize it was a habit pattern that they had developed in the way they make decisions. And sometimes they just start thinking that it's just part of who they are. It's like, you know, it seems like I always make bad decisions when it comes to finances. It seems that I always um, make bad decisions when it comes to who I'm dating. You know, it seems like I'm always dating a loser. You know, it seems like I always make bad decisions when it comes to my career. Just one bad decision after another. And they think it's just who they are, and they just make bad decisions in certain areas, but really it's just a habit pattern that's developed of making wrong decisions. And so you have to change that habit pattern. We're going to look at a guy in the Bible that practiced the process of making good decisions. In Genesis chapter 8, we see the habit of good decision-making practiced by Noah. You remember Noah? God told him to build a rescue boat so that he could save all those who would enter the ark because a great flood was coming. And so Noah obeys God and he builds the boat and then God brings the animals in two by two. And Noah made a good decision because the floodwaters came and only his family entered the ark before it was too late and they were safe. Now after seven months of being trapped on that boat with his family and all those animals. After seven months, the floodwaters start to recede and the ark comes to rest on top of Mount Ararat, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Noah has a huge decision to make. I mean, when should he and his family and all the animals walk through that door and come out of the ark? Now, you would think that after you've been in a boat for over seven months with your family and all those animals, can you imagine the smell? And talk about being quarantined in a boat with your family. They were probably ready to tear each other apart and with all those animals that they were taking care of. And and then the boat comes to rest on top of a mountain When the ark gets stuck on Mount Ararat, it probably seemed like a really good time to leave the ark. But Noah wanted God's direction. He knew this was a critical decision 
that the future of life on earth depended on the right call at just the right time. And so he wanted God's direction. And he ends up spending over five more months with his family and all the animals in the ark until he comes out. And it was perfect timing. It was a perfect decision. The right decision at the right time. And by the way, the difference between a good decision and a bad decision is often timing. It's the difference between buying stock in GameStop in January when all the experts would have thought you look like a fool or buying stock in GameStop today when that would mean you are a fool. And so timing makes all the difference when it comes to success. A good decision, a bad decision, often the difference is just timing. And so Noah's timing was perfect. So I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at it because here we see that God's timing is perfect. He gives Noah the divine direction to leave the ark at just the right time. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry around the world, and everyone here at the Woodlands campus. Don't miss church. The Bible says don't give up the habit of meeting weekly. That's a habit that we're commanded to do. Now, you know, whether it's in person or whether it's online, I guess it doesn't really matter, but the problem is when it's just online, a lot of times you don't make it a priority. You can watch for 10 minutes and then go off and do something else. But if you make it a priority, it really doesn't matter. You sit down, you connect, you're right there, you're engaged in worship, giving God the first part of the first day of your week. And it's really important. And so we're one church. Wherever you're at, I know some of you are on the other side of the world right now worshiping with us. Wherever you're at, from the woodlands to the world, we're one church. So follow along with me. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Dear Lord, we come before you today, the altar of worship, and we just ask you to speak to us. Lord, we're here to put you first, and we're connected, Lord Jesus, to realign and readjust our lives, Lord, according to your purpose and your plan. And it seems like every week we need a mid-course correction. Every day, Lord a mid-course correction to spend time with you, but that once a week mid-course correction is so powerful, and I pray today that you would just speak to the hearts and minds of every person within the sound of my voice and give them your direction today. Lord, I pray that you would teach us today from your word how to make good decisions so that it would become part of who we are. I know, Lord, that's really the secret to true success is the ability to make good decisions because that changes every area of our lives. And so I pray today that you would just speak to everyone. Lord, speak to them right where they're at. Meet them right there at their point of need and work a miracle in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And here in this passage we just read, we see the end result of the habit 
of good decision-making. This is just the end result that we see. What we're gonna talk about today is the process that God took Noah through to get there, to where he knew for sure this was God's will and God wanted him to move out of that ark at just that time in this critical time to start life over on earth again. And so we're gonna look at the process in just a minute. But first, I want you to focus in on that phrase, be fruitful and multiply. God said to Noah, and God said that what I want for you, your family, and all the animals is to be fruitful and multiply. I don't want you just to survive. I want you to thrive when you leave the ark. And the difference between surviving and thriving really comes down to this divine process of decision-making. And God wants you to make the divine process of decision-making a habit in your life so that you don't just survive, but you really thrive in life. That's what God wants for us, to be fruitful and multiply, to be productive, to be effective, to really thrive in life, and you can't do that without this divine habit of good decision-making. And I know right now, some of you are facing a major decision right now and it's weighing you down. And then others of you, you're going to be facing a major decision this year, really soon, you just don't know it yet. Some of you are facing a major decision right now and you don't realize it and you won't realize it until about five years down the road and you'll look back and go, wow, that was a big one. And so this is a really important message. I want you to understand that your decisions have such profound effects on the course of our lives. And so some of you I know are trying to make a major decision. You're trying to decide, do I hold on or do I let go? Do I get in or do I get out? Do I walk through that door or do I wait for an opportunity that comes along that's better? Or maybe you got three doors in front of you. Which one do I walk through? How do you make that decision? Well, we're going to look at the process that Noah went through, that God took him through to make the perfect decision at the perfect time. And the first thing is to walk with God. We've talked about this habit. In Genesis 6, 9, it says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. What does it mean that Noah walked with God? Well, he walked with God daily. He had a habit of spending time with his creator each and every day. So it was a normal thing for Noah to seek God's direction for every decision. It was a normal thing for Noah to seek God's direction on a daily basis because he walked with God. He had this daily habit of spending time with God, and we talked about this as the most important habit you can ever develop is a daily habit of spending some time with God. You see, if I'm spending daily time with God, even if it's 10, 15 minutes reading the Bible, writing down in a journal some things that God's teaching me, and then writing down some prayer requests and praying about the decisions I'm gonna to have to make that day, I feel God's guidance. But if I'm not spending time with God, if I'm not having that daily time with God, when a big decision comes up, then I'm just grasping at straws. And a lot of times you don't know when a big decision is gonna come up in your life. We make a lot of dumb decisions because we haven't developed that daily habit of spending time with God. Noah just walked with God every day. So it wasn't strange at all for him to ask God for direction, to look to God for direction. And then he developed this process that God put into his life that just became sort of ingrained in him. 
He still made dumb decisions in his life at times, and God used those to wake him up, but he would go back to this over and over, this divine process of decision-making in his life to seek God's will and to find out exactly what it was in every decision that he made. It's just a normal thing. And God wants you to feel his guidance, and that's why we're doing this 50 days of prayer. I'm really letting you in on my daily time, and just it's usually five, 10 minutes every day, a video blog, and we're studying prayer. And we do it Monday through Friday, so if you haven't gone on it yet, you ought to do that. And I'm just kinda letting you in on my daily quiet time. Just a 10-minute study on prayer. And we're reading some passages, we're writing down some prayer requests, we're praying about things that are coming up in our day. We're learning from God how to pray, and it makes a difference. And so on all of our social media platforms, our website, our app, every morning at 8 a.m. it comes on. It just stays up so that if you leave for work at 5 a.m., then you can pull up the one from the day before and just stay connected with us. When you decide when you're gonna have this daily quiet time, but you've got to have it. And then you can go on and do something else with the Lord if you want, read more scripture, go through the one-year Bible, do a devotional, whatever it is you wanna do, but let's do this together, connected right in the middle of 50 days of prayer, and God's doing some amazing things. We've already seen many miracles in our church family, and so let's walk with God. Let's connect with him daily. And by the way, God's will never contradicts God's word. God's will for your life will never go against God's word, and there's so many things in God's word. It just says do this or don't do that, so you don't have to pray about it. Just do it or don't do it. You don't have to pray about it. Just look at it in God's word. It says, well, do this. Okay, I'm gonna do that. It says, don't do that. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. Don't pray about it. Just do it. And if I don't know God's word, how am I gonna do those things? If I don't know what's in God's word, then I'm just gonna follow what the world says. But then what about the decisions that come up that aren't clearly in God's word? Decisions like, which door should I go through? And, and they both look pretty good, and it's not clearly in God's word. I mean, those daily decisions that we have to make, how do we make those decisions? Sometimes they're huge decisions that come up every once in a while in our lives. Sometimes they're just daily decisions, but. How do you do that? How, how do you know what God wants you to do? Well, you have to work through it. <clears throat> I want you to look at Jeremiah 29, 13, because God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants you to know his will. He's not trying to hide it from you. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to make you look like a fool. He's not up there in heaven laughing at you because you can't figure it out. He wants you to know his will in every decision that you make. He really does, but you have to seek him to find it. He says, if you'll seek me with all your heart, then you're gonna find it. I want you to find it. I'm not trying to hide it from you. And that brings me to that second thing, work through it. What he's saying is, there's a work through it process. You walk with God daily, and that solves a lot of it, just spending time with God daily, then he gives you wisdom to make good decisions that come up in your day. But some of them, you gotta work through it. What I mean is, sometimes I try to manipulate God. I don't know about you, but I'll try to manipulate God, you know, and I know what I really wanna do, but I'll pray, God, show me what to do, as long as it's that, because I know that would be best. 
And God has to allow me to go through the struggle to get to this place of surrender where I, I have to struggle with the decision. And it's a hard decision. I go, I don't know what to do, but I, oh, I think I wanna do that, but God, what do you want me to do? And it's a struggle for my heart. And, and then I get to that place where finally I surrender and I say, God, I give up. I really just want what you want. God, I really just want what you want from me. I just need to know what you want me to do because I know you know what's best. I don't know what's best. You know, I, I feel like I'd wanna go through that door, but I don't know. So God, I, I just want what you want. God allows us to go through the struggle to get us to surrender because we gotta get to surrender where our hearts are all for him, wanting what he wants for us. And when you get to that place, he won't let you go wrong. He's not trying to hide his will from you, but sometimes it's hard for me to get to that place and I have to work through it and the struggle is really a gift. I talk to people at times who say, I'm really struggling with the decision. Oh man, it's just keeping me up at night. I'm praying about it, but I don't know what to do. And I say that struggle is a gift because that struggle is bringing you closer to the Savior. That struggle is bringing you closer to surrender where you can experience all the blessings that God has for you. And, you, and once you surrender, you're filled with peace. Once you surrender, you're, you're filled with the peace of God that can't be explained. And God wants you to experience that amazing gift. So the struggle is a gift because struggle gets you to surrender. But as I work through that struggle, to find the right decision, God's so gracious to me to open up some windows of direction along the way. Hey, the Bible talks about doors of opportunity, but you need to know there are also windows of encouragement. The windows of encouragement that God gives us are those windows that guide us to the right door. The windows of encouragement guide us to the door of opportunity that we're supposed to go through, so I need to look for those windows. Now, Noah's decision was not which door to go through. Noah's decision was when to go through that door. Sometimes that's an even more important decision. He just had one door, the door of the ark. He didn't have to decide which door to go through, but he did need to know when he was supposed to walk through that door. And that's the decision some of you are facing today. But it says, Genesis 8, 6 says, after another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat. So he opened this window and he starts looking out this window and it guides him to when he's supposed to walk through the door. And you have windows when you're working through it, when you're working through this struggle to get to the place of surrender, God will give you some windows to help you get to the right door. So you gotta look for those windows. The first window to look for is the window of spiritual growth. God will always put the window of spiritual growth in front of you. In Genesis 8, 7, says, Noah released a raven and the bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. So Noah releases this raven and the raven doesn't come back because the raven is a scavenger. And so for the raven, the floodwaters were a continual feast because the raven could just go from floating carcass to floating carcass out there in the floodwaters. And so the raven didn't come back because raven loved that. But then Noah releases a dove. Now, a raven was considered an unclean animal. The dove was considered a clean animal. And so the dove is released, but the dove won't light on a rotting carcass. 
And so the dove found no place to land. And so the dove flies back to life. The dove doesn't land on death. The dove flies back to life and flies back to the ark and to Noah. And so Noah knows it's not time to walk through that door because all that awaits on the other side of the door is death. It's not time. For you see, the dove represented life. It was a symbol of life and growth, and the raven was a symbol of our fleshly desires that lead to death. The raven was a symbol of our selfishness, our pride that causes us to make some really dumb decisions. But the dove was a symbol of life and growth and making decisions toward life and toward growth in our lives. And so when I'm seeking God's direction and I'm going through this struggle, I want to apply the lesson of the raven and the dove. And the lesson of the raven and the dove is a question. I ask myself this question. Will walking through this door draw me closer to God or take me further away from God? Will walking through this door help me grow in my faith or make it more difficult to grow in my faith? Will taking this job draw me closer to God or take me further away from God? Uh, Will... Dating this person bring me closer to God or bring me farther away from God? Will it help me grow closer to Jesus or make it more difficult, become a barrier? So before I make a decision, I want to ask the question that I get from the lesson of the raven and the dove. Will this bring me closer to Jesus or take me farther away from Jesus? It's the window of spiritual growth, and it gives you so much direction. But then there's the window of peace in the struggle. A week later, Noah releases the dove again. In Genesis 8, 10, it says, this time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. So Noah now sees vegetation is growing on the earth and it's getting closer to the time to walk through the door. And an olive branch, as you know, is a symbol of peace. And so God gave him that olive branch to show him that he would have peace in the middle of this struggle, peace in the middle of this waiting. And whenever you're going through the struggle, God wants to give you peace. Whenever you've got a really tough decision that you're facing and it seems like there's no good answer and you don't know what to do, God wants to give you his peace in the middle of the struggle. First, he wants you to know the struggle is a gift. Don't fight it. Just surrender to him. And secondly, he wants to give you his peace in the middle of the struggle to say it's gonna be okay. But then there's the window of hope. The window of hope on the horizon. Noah sends out the dove one more time. And in Genesis 8, 11, it says, then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time it did not come back. So the dove didn't return because it found a place to thrive. It found life, found a place to thrive. But I want you to see that every time Noah looked out the window, God would give him another sign of hope that he was gonna be okay, that God was gonna bring them through this, that God was gonna bring life back again, that God had a plan and a purpose for Noah and his family, that God was gonna get them through all of this. And whenever you're going through the struggle, God always opens a window of hope to show you that he's gonna get you through. Everything may look hopeless all around you, but you gotta look through that window of hope. And you see that Christ is there and you begin to realize that the problem you're going through is nothing for him that he will see you through, 
that you're going to make it. You know, we pray for God to take the problem out of our lives, but many times God says, I'm going to take you through this problem, but I'm going to see you through. You're going to make it through. You will make it through. And he opens up that window of hope. Sometimes it's a really small window, but you keep looking at that window of hope, and it turns into a window of faith. As you place your faith in his promises, and that window gets bigger and bigger, and then God opens that door, and he takes you from pain to purpose, and he works a miracle. Well, Noah knew it was almost time because of that window of hope, but even after the dove left, Noah still had to wait another 26 days before God said, it's time now to walk through the door. And that brings me to a really important part of this habit pattern, and that is wait for God's timing. You gotta wait for God's timing. Don't decide anything about timing without consulting with God, because God knows how to make everything perfect in its time. God is never early and God is never late. He's always on time. In Genesis 8, 4, it says, and on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Focus in on that phrase, the ark came to rest. After seven months, the ark comes to rest on that Ararat, but it would be five more restless months for Noah and his family. So the ark came to rest at seven months, but Noah and his family spent five more restless months inside the boat before God said, it's time. The ironic thing is, Noah's name means rest. Noah's name literally means rest. We've all been in the waiting room of life, and it feels like God's not coming through, and we wonder what God is up to, and we get impatient, and we get restless, and we make a reckless decision. Some of the dumbest decisions I've ever made in my life were when I was in the waiting room of life, and I got impatient, and I got frustrated with God, and I made a rash decision, and I walked through the door just before the blessing came. You walk out the door just before the blessing comes. You ever done that? I mean, we hate the waiting room of life because in the waiting room of life, we're, we're asking God, when are you gonna come through? Is this ever going to happen? I mean, God, is it ever gonna happen? When, are, when am I ever gonna get married? Are we ever gonna have children? God, when am I gonna finally get that job? God, when are you gonna come through on this, this promise that you've given me? In the waiting room of life, we start to doubt that God really cares about us and knows what's best for us. It's in the waiting room of life where God is getting us prepared to receive the blessing that he has for us. And his timing is critical in the waiting rooms of life because we get restless, we force our way through the door and it leads to huge disappointment and huge devastation. And God says, my timing is perfect. You know, I, don't get impatient. Don't get restless, but rest in me. When you get restless, you get reckless and you make dumb decisions. You see, most of us have goals that are way too small, and we want them way too quickly. I think that's one of our biggest problems is that we have 
small goals, but we want them instantly. We get really frustrated if we don't have them instantly when God wants us to have huge goals. God wants us to have a big God vision, but he wants us to expect it to take quite a bit of time. God wants us to have a huge vision for our lives, but he doesn't want us to get impatient. He wants us to know that there's gonna be some waiting rooms of life before that big vision is fulfilled. When we started Woodland Church, we had a huge vision from God. It almost just seemed crazy to have that vision, but we didn't expect it to happen instantly. We just expected God to come through one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, and all we had to do was obey one step at a time and walk through the next door and walk through the next door and not get impatient and be willing to be in the waiting rooms of life so that God could prepare us for the blessing because one of the biggest problems we have is that God wants to bless us, but we couldn't handle it. You know, God wants to do something amazing in our lives, but we couldn't handle it because we get too proud or we wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't be ready in our character to match what God wants to do in our lives. And so God wants us to learn to rest in his perfect timing. I love Habakkuk 2.3. It says, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Hey, it's coming. It's coming. Don't you dare walk through the door and get out of the waiting room of life just before the blessing comes. Don't go through the door and leave just before the blessing comes. Wait for God because it's coming through. You're waiting so that God can prepare you. There's a powerful little verse in Genesis chapter eight. Genesis eight, one, it says, but God remembered Noah. I love that. You can just put your name there. But God remembered Carrie. When you're waiting in the waiting room of life, and it feels like God's not coming through, you feel like God's forgotten you, that he's nowhere around, but God remembers you. He knows you. God says to you today, I can't forget you. I can never forget you because I've inscribed you on the palm of my hand. I think about you constantly. I know everything about you. I know all that you're going through. I care about every little detail of your life. I could never forget you. You're just in the waiting room of life, and I can't wait for that blessing to come. But I am getting you ready to receive the blessing. So don't get restless, just rest. Just Noah, just rest in me. And things can be crazy all around you and your circumstances. It can be really stressful in your life right now, but you can rest on the inside. Or everything can look great around you, you can be totally restless. God says, I want you to learn to rest in my Timing, my timing is always perfect. I want us to go all the way back to right before the flood first started and Noah and his family entered the ark. In Genesis 7, 16, it says, then God shut the door behind them. God shut the door, they got in and then God shut the door of the ark. Now, God shut the door of the ark, why? To protect them from the flood first, but secondly, to prepare them for the blessing. He always shuts doors to protect us and to prepare us. When you're in the waiting room of life and that door is shut and you're wondering when is God ever coming through and you feel like God has forgotten you, just know that God has closed the door 
for two reasons. First, to protect you. He's protecting you from something, and you gotta trust him. And secondly, to prepare you to receive the blessing. He's, he's building your character, so you'll be able to catch the blessing. And because if your character is not ready, you won't be able to catch the blessing. You'll miss the blessing. You may not recognize the blessing. You may be too proud. The blessing may take you off track and it become really a curse instead of a blessing. God has to prepare you to make you ready for the blessing that he's gonna give because if you're not prepared, you can't catch the blessing when it comes. I remember several years ago when I took my kids to the Astros game and they, they were teenagers and, and we all went to the Astros game. We got there a little bit early and I thought, why don't we try to catch a home run ball? You know, the Astros were taking batting practice, so we went up into the Crawford boxes, and, and most people weren't there at their seats, so we could just get right up there, and just by the top of the, the short wall there in left field in the Crawford boxes. And I remember standing right next to the foul pole, and, and my kids were standing right next to me, and we just had got there when all of a sudden one of the Astros hit a line drive, and I thought, that might be over the fence. And then it started hooking, and I said, that's coming right toward the foul pole. And then I realized it's coming right toward me. And it's just a little bit high, and so I jumped up, and man, I got a vertical leap of about six inches. I got up about maybe six inches, and then boom, perfect timing. I mean, it was perfect time. I timed it perfectly, one-handed. It just smacked my hand and just shot off my hand like a ping-pong paddle was my hand. And some six-year-old kid got it. It's like, dang. God's hand of favor was on that kid. And then I looked at my hand, and it was red. Later, by the seventh inning, you could see the seams of that ball on my hand. I mean, you know, I wanted to be the dude, you know, that had three drinks and a baby hanging on him but still catches the ball somehow. You know, nope, I wasn't that guy. It was the ping pong paddle hand. Here you go, kid. And it's like, you know, I mean, I wanted to be the guy that leaps in front of the kid and steals the ball from him. But nope, I just had a hurt hand the rest of the game and it started swelling and it hurt. Apparently it's a lot harder to catch those things than you think with a bare hand. You see, I wasn't prepared to catch it because I was too proud to bring a glove. You know, all the kids around me, they had gloves, you know, and I mean, I wanted to bring a glove and steal it from a kid, but I was too proud to do that, so I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for that home run ball that came, and so I wasn't able to catch it, and that's really the way it is in our lives. If we're not prepared in our character to catch God's blessings, those blessings become a curse, and God wants you to be prepared. That's why timing is everything, and there's a big difference between no and not yet. And so many times God says, not yet, my son, just be patient. It's like, you know, when I told my kids when they were little, not yet, you, you, got, you got to eat your supper first and then, then you can have that ice cream, but not, not yet. It wasn't no. For some of you, God said, not yet, it's coming. But I'm preparing you to be ready so that you have everything you need to catch this blessing and it take you to a new level in your life. But a lot of times we're waiting for God to bring us to this new level when really God is waiting for us, for our character to grow, 
We're in the waiting room of life many times because we're not growing like we should. We're not maturing like we should. We're impatient, making rash decisions and not waiting on God's timing. I love Revelation 3, 7. It says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Hey, God knows how to deal with doors, so we have to trust him with those doors. Sometimes I come to an open door, maybe it's two or three doors, and I'm praying, God, which one should I go through? And it's not clearly in God's word, but I'm spending time with God every day, and he's given me his guidance, and and then I'll ask that question, the lesson of the raven and the dove. I'll say, God, will walking through this door bring me closer to you or take me further away? Will walking through that door bring me closer to you or take me further away? And I'll ask that question. I may go to some godly people that have godly advice and say, pray for me and tell them about it. What, what do you think? And, and I'll go through this process and I'll pray and then God will begin to start moving on my heart. I get to that place of surrender. God, I just want what you want. And God begins impressing on my heart, it's this door I want you to go through. And I start walking toward that door. And I keep praying. And God impresses on my heart, walk through that open door. But then sometimes I come to a closed door. But it's okay because God still wants me to pray for him to open it. God, would you open that door if that's what you want? When you come to a closed door, don't think that well, it's definitely not God's will then because that door is closed. No. It says God can open a door. God can close a door. When God opens a door, no one can close it. When God closes a door, no one can open it. So some of you today have come to a closed door. It's not just closed, it's slammed shut. It's also dead bolted and it's made of steel about a foot thick. That's okay. Yeah, that's nothing to God, so you pray about it, and if God wants you to walk through that door, he won't just unlock that door for you. He will blow that door up with his divine dynamite into all kinds of pieces so that nobody could ever shut that door on you. Hey, when God opens the door, no human being can shut that door. You know that, don't you? I don't care what anyone else says. When God opens a door, no one can shut it. And no one can keep it shut. And so when you're in front of a closed door, and I've been in front of many closed doors in my life, Chris and I at Woodland Church have experienced many closed doors where they say, this will never happen. No, that's impossible. Never. And we go, okay, it's a closed door. Let's pray for God to just blow it up with his divine dynamite and destroy it if that's what he wants. Sometimes he leaves it because he said, nope, that's not the door. But don't let any human being tell you that that door can't be destroyed because when God opens a door, no one can keep it shut. And God wants to blow down some doors today. You got some doors in your life that God wants to destroy so you can walk through and get to your destiny. But he wants you to pray. He wants you to see that he cares about you. And as you pray, God can open doors that you never dreamed could be opened. And so I want you to see the last thing, though. The fourth thing is walk through God's open door. God opens doors, but you got to walk through the open door. In Genesis 8, 18, it says, So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives. So God opens the door. He takes a step of faith, and he walks through it. God opens doors for you, but you got to take a step of faith and walk through it. So what happens in my life, that open door that God's impressed me to walk through, I'm starting to walk through it, but I'm never at 100% certainty. You need to know this because 
I, I get to maybe 90, 95% at the most, where it's like, God, I really believe you want me to go through this open door. I'm almost positive you want me to go through this open door. When God called us to start Woodlands Church 27 years ago, I resigned from the traditional church that I was a pastor of, and we just stepped out in faith and came out here to the Woodlands to plant this church, and we only had eight people with us, and there were many times where it was like, I know, God, you want us to do this, and we're right in the middle of your will, right? Aren't we? And, but we kept taking steps of faith. And you see, some people want to get to 100%, and they never do anything. Like, I want to know, I want God to speak to me in an audible voice and just yell at me and say, go this way, go through that door, do this, do that. And most of the time, God doesn't work that way. And so I get to about maybe 90%, and then I go, God, I feel like this is the door you want me to walk through. And so I'm walking through it because I know it requires faith. And so I'm going to walk through this door, but please feel free to slam the door in my face and keep me from making a mess of things if this isn't right. Please, God, I want, you, I want what you want. And there's been some times where God slammed the door in my face. It was a little painful. But he protected me, and he was preparing me. But I stepped through the door, and then God builds my faith. And then another door, and I stepped through that, and God builds my faith. And so that's the way God works in our lives. So don't think that you're going to have everything worked out perfectly before you walk through the door. But God will guide you to that door. Well, God's word is always clear, and his will doesn't go against his word. But if it's not in God's word, then you go through that process that we just looked at that Noah went through. But some doors are so clear, like the door of salvation. For some of you, you've never received Christ, and today is your day. I mean, the Bible says you need to trust Christ. You need to stop trying to save yourself and let him save you. The door of salvation is a door that you need to walk through today. Really, you need to open up the door and let Christ walk through into your heart and give him your life. There's the door of baptism. After you receive Christ, the Bible says you're to be baptized as a step of obedience, as a profession of your faith. And so you don't have to pray about that. If you've received Christ and you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. And we're doing a winter baptism next week at our baptism pool right over here. We're heating it to 95 degrees. It's gonna be a huge celebration, a big baptism. And all you gotta do is just after the service that you come to next week, we'll say come down front and we got dressing rooms, we got clothes of every size, shirts and shorts and towels and blow dryers and everything and changing rooms and you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized to follow Christ in obedience. You have to pray about that one. The door of tithing, God commands us to give the first 10% of all we make to put him first in our finances so he can bless the rest and we can see that he's real in our lives. You have to pray about that. God just says, you're to do it. There's so many things, forgiveness. You don't have to pray about, should I forgive this person or not? God says, you forgive everyone. Not for their sake, but it's for your own sake so the bitterness doesn't take over. And so there's so many things in God's word that you don't have to pray about. You just do it. You just follow him. But then there's some things you do. You gotta pray about them and go, God, which door is it? What do you want me to go through? In Joel 3.14, it says, thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I just imagine that's God looking down on us and 
He sees thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people today in the valley of decision. And that decision will determine their destiny. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And I know every one of us right now are in the valley of decision. I don't know what decision it is you need to make, but we all need to take another step closer to Jesus. Another step, another commitment closer to Jesus. Maybe you've never received Christ. This is your day of salvation. You got two doors in front of you right now. One door leads you to Jesus and leads you home. Leads you home to the God who made you, who's been waiting for you to come home. The other door, it leads you away from Jesus, back into selfishness, destruction, back into emptiness, and eternal separation from God. That's an easy one there. You need to walk through that door by opening up the door of your heart and letting Christ in. I don't know what door it is that you're getting ready to walk through or that you're standing next to, but I know there's some divine doors for each and every one of us. We're all in the valley of decision, and it's time to start making decisions that bring us closer to Jesus. Jesus is getting closer and closer. Jesus coming is getting closer and closer, and he wants us to stop messing around he wants us to start walking through doors that bring us closer to him as his coming is getting closer and closer to us. And so today, let's walk through that door, whatever it may be, to bring us closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for those who've never received you, that right now in this valley of decision, they would choose the door that brings them home, that leads them to you, and they would pray this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, save me. I surrender to you. I open up the door of my heart and ask you to come inside me through your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sins and change me from the inside out. Help me follow you from now on and walk through the divine doors that you have for me to grow closer and closer to you, Jesus. I accept your free gift of salvation in heaven one day. Thank you. You've opened the doorway to heaven for me because of your death and resurrection. And Lord, I pray for everyone right now who's in the waiting room of life. Lord, help us not to get restless and make a rash decision. Lord, help us not to bust through the door and leave the room just before you bring the blessing. I pray, Lord God, for everyone in the waiting room of life that you would show them that you're right there, that you haven't forgotten them, that you would never forget them, that you think about them all the time, and you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. You're just protecting them and you're preparing them so they're gonna be ready to catch the blessing when it comes. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, he came in your life through his Holy Spirit. We wanna know about it. We wanna help you grow in that. So please tell one of our pastors, or if you're online, you can just click, I raise my hand and receive Christ. Uh, we wanna help you with that. Now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us, and the way we do it at our campuses now is you take out your smartphone. So you can take out your smartphone right now and take out your smartphone, and you can give by just texting the word GIVEWC 
That's one word, give WC to 77977, 77977. Or you can go online, wc.org slash give, and set up recurrent giving. You can give on your way out. There are generosity boxes. Uh, you can mail in your check. You can give from home by going on your computer, wc.org slash give. But give. We give because we love God. and We love what he's doing through the ministries of this church. And what an important time to give is we're making a difference all over the world, bringing people that know Jesus, meeting their needs physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, our counseling ministry is one of over 100 ministries, and God is working through it so much. And, and Dr. Paul, you know, our uh, pastor, Christian psychiatrist, MD, who heads it up, and also Pastor Shannon, who she has um, her license practice counseling, and we have a whole team. We've trained, I think, 30 now that are um, doing the counseling, and so there's so many mental health issues going on during the pandemic, and so we've been contacted by the community to see if we could handle some of those. And of course, church members and church attenders, you know, we're, we're always there for you first and foremost, but now they're going, man, can you guys help us out? And that's another ministry that's just grown so much, but we have so many ministries that are feeding people, helping people, strengthening people in every way from here and around the world. So give because you love God and you love what he's doing through the church. But I want us to make a proclamation today because the fifth thing that Noah did was he built an altar to God and he worshiped. And it's great when you worship after God gives you his wisdom for a good decision. That's called gratitude and we should do that. Some of you, God has helped you and given you wisdom to make a good decision recently, you need to worship. And then it's great to worship God before he gives you that wisdom because that's called faith. And so we're gonna make a declaration today, Woodland Church. Let's stand together and I want us to sing because I believe with all my heart the maker of heaven and earth is getting ready to make a way for you. And I don't care if the door is dead bolted, you can blow that door up. I don't care if there's three doors in front of you that are all locked. God can just blow those doors away with his power and he can make a way. If he can make the earth and he can make the heavens and he can create the infinite ever expanding universe with a word that created an explosion of light that created 90% of all matter instantly, then he can knock that door down. And so I believe with all my heart, God's gonna make a way for you today. And when he makes that way, worship him again and take a step of faith, but let's worship him before he does it because that's called faith. Thanking God in advance is faith. So thank God in advance because he's gonna help you advance this week as you step in faith and you trust him. But don't get impatient. Let God go before you. Let God move before you. He will lead you. He will guide you and he will never forget you. Let's sing. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.